You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, the man whose business is benching, Coach Ben. This is Bench Talk Live. Alright, thanks for everyone tuning in. We're currently live on Instagram and YouTube for this edition of our Tuesday podcast where we just kind of shoot the shit, answer some questions, shoot the shit. I am K Powerlifting. Hi, how you doing my friend? Thanks for joining in. Um, let's get some more joining in the YouTube here. So I'm just answering questions today very simply and just shooting the shit, doing our live deal on uh, on Tuesdays. So it's all about. And then Thursday we have a more centered topic discussion. Um, it's a shorter podcast. I think the average has been about 15 or so minutes, 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, so yeah, you get your more targeted education on Thursday. And then we attack Q&A and whatnot on Tuesday and shoot the shit. So thanks everyone joining in, answering questions here. Uh, if you posted a question the other day to our Instagram stories, then uh, I have those written down here. I'm going to go through those. Uh, how's everyone doing though? I mean, we've been stuck inside for, for quite a while. I mean, I'm not necessarily stuck inside, but, um, you know, it's been a long March, end of March. It was a, so far it's been a long April. I'm really looking forward to some kind of sport begin. I read this article the other day. Now, I don't know how true it is, but I think uh, Dana White's kind of a crazy dude. So it probably is very true that he secured a private island. Um, that was the article said. He's like one or two days away from securing a private island so that he is able to still host UFC events. Um, so I don't know if that's going to come to fruition or not, but hey, I need some kind of sport. So whatever I can get, you know. Um, you know, I, I got to round up local neighborhood kids to play wiffle ball so <laughs> that we got some kind of sports. Um, so we got some questions rolling in. I am K Powerlifting. How to bench at home when you don't have a bench? Well, you ain't going to be doing much benching then, my friend, unfortunately. Uh, if you don't have a bench, you could set up any, like a table or you know anything that's cut like a bench, uh, some kind of chest. Uh, yeah, you do what you can. Uh, you're probably going to be left to floor pressing for the most part, but it is what it is. Uh, maybe you could dumbbell press off the floor. Depends on what you got. You know, this time we got to be creative. We got to be creative with what we're doing. You know, we're all working with different situations, different equipment. But um, you know, I think we got to make uh, do the best way we can. Uh, that so, anyone listening right now or listen to the podcast later, make sure you email me, coachben at bigbenches.com. If you're not sure what to do for workouts, I do have at-home training workouts uh, ready to send out to you. All right, that's that's totally my gift to you guys. So just email me, shoot me an email. Be like, hey, Coach Ben, you got that at-home training? I will send that over to you. And all that's bare minimum. That's training with bands. That's training without bands. Uh, just body weight, right? It, it can be really demanding on your shoulder stability, balance, coordination. Uh, we're hitting back work there. You're doing a lot of good stuff that's going to prepare you to, to be good once we're under the weight again. I just had one of our athletes the other day. Um, you know, He was in a lighter phase of the training, so not much to write home about. But then we actually switched over to at-home training. He was like, holy shit. 
you know, it was actually a lot harder just because now it's attacking so many of his weak points. So, yeah, that's that's what we can do during this time is just address some weak points. Like, I'm sure we could all get better core strength. Uh, we, we could all build our hip strength more. You know, it's just being diligent about getting that work in. We got a brainchild designer on Instagram. Do you see any reason to back off at lifting heavy during this virus to keep the immunity strong and allow the body to fight? Um, no, I'm hitting harder than ever. I wouldn't do anything than you're doing different. Um, I think we set ourselves up to have a strong immune system by what we do with our training and um you know if we stop doing that i don't think that's serving us um you know anything good i think where some of those recommendations might come in is for people who have never trained before now all of a sudden training in like to try to build their immune system up and when it's such a new stimulus for you like that then your body's working extra time because it's like holy shit what just happened uh, so that's when you, know, you may have to be careful with it. You know, this isn't a time when I all of a sudden pick up intense training. But if you've been ta- uh, training intense, the only thing I'd be nervous of right now is if my ACL completely ripped off the bone and I sh- ripped the bone, <laughs> I shattered a bone or something, benching. Um, because I don't feel like being in a hospital right now. Not a good place to be. So uh, that would be the only reason I'd see backing off intense training. But unless you're with a group, probably not training that intense anyway. All right, so uh, I wouldn't be too worried about what you're doing, no. NGPF powerlifting. Are you tied to any one particular federation? Uh, No, definitely not. But I primarily compete uh, and do things with the RPS. So I've uh, frequently helped out with their meets. Um, You know, I've I've ran the gauntlet. I've, I've... judged at meets I've, I've helped do some spotting loading at meets we set up booths at meets so we're at all the events usually setting up a table selling apparel and i'm coaching my lifters at those meets just because they're local to us um, i think they run an awesome meet the equipment is absolutely top notch the best i've seen at any federation yet and then if talking nationally because we have lifters all over the globe not just the u.s but also um you know, overseas, Australia, South Africa, UK, you know, we're, we're talking all different places. Um, so they have their, their own feds, but for, for nationally over here, I, I use USPA. I think they're well run um, and they are pretty much set up in every state. You know, it's very easy to find a meet for some of my lifters, no matter what state they're in. All right. So um, USPA for the most part nationally and RPS I do a lot with. All right. We have some questions rolling from YouTube. Don't want to ignore you guys. OB Matt, there are some videos on YouTube about building a bench. All right. Well, I hope so. I hope I'm not the only one, but I've got a lot of stuff out there too on building my bench. Um, Oh, I'm building a bench, not just building your bench. I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, There are some videos on YouTube about building a bench. Uh, Yeah. You can probably find a lot of good stuff for at-home training, and, and I see a lot of videos out right now on how to equip the home gym. So I'm sure you can find um, uh, how to build your own bench. I'm sure it's not that hard, especially for a makeshift in the time being. Um, I'm sure it's, it's, if you're crafty, it's probably an easy thing to do. 
You know, so I'm sure Home Depot's getting a lot of love right now. Mark Lester Jimenez on Jimenez. I probably imagine it's, it's said. Uh, YouTube, you've got an awesome channel. Your content helped our benches a lot. You're the man, Mark. I really appreciate you tuning in, my friend, and I really appreciate you watching the videos. Um, and you said our benches, so I'm assuming that you're, you're benching with a group of people. So that's really awesome to hear that it's helped you guys out so much. Um, Jax, go. Hi, what would you say is the most useful exercise for developing a solid back to help my equipped bench? Uh, you know, I'm not particularly tied to any one back movement. I think they're all good. But I think one of your best bang for your bucks is going to be the seal row. Because the seal row is literally just the reverse of a bench. Right? Instead of lying on our back, now we're chest supported, lying on our front. And we're, we're rowing that weight up to us as opposed to pushing away. Um, so in terms of what you're doing with your back, it's very specific. I think it's really challenging. Um, so I'd say seal row, probably best bang for your buck in terms of what you can do for your back. Mark Jimenez, he got a question. He also says he loves the video outros as well. Uh, yeah, we have some fun with those. Sometimes I forget to do them. You probably see which videos I, I just totally forget to, to do the outro. But I try to get creative with it. And um, we try to keep it fresh when we can. You know, I've done some weird stuff where I was like, uh, I was like, Elvis, we should shoot me just like driving off in my Jeep or something. <laughs> so we've done some cool stuff with that. Appreciate you watching it to the end, though. Okay, here's a question. Good exercises for shoulder rehab and which muscles to improve that could help avoid shoulder problems. So um, from, from what I've seen most times with the bench press, it's a um, lack of shoulder rotation. Um, you know, it could be both internally and externally. You kind of got to um, pinpoint which one you're hindered more with. Um, I'm very limited externally. I know that causes me a lot of issues. Um, especially with overhead pressing, if I'm not able to, you know, use a dumbbell, if I'm using, if I'm stuck to a straight bar and stuff, there's a lot of times where just my lack of shoulder motion in general, being able to get overhead and things, um, kind of really hinders my training. So you have to, um, you have to really, yeah, uh, Matt, he, he's, he's in our VIP group. He's an awesome physical therapist. He offers a lot of great advice on this stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the issues I see most often is you're limited in your, your shoulder rotation, but I mean, so many things can, can play into, um, you know, shoulder issues when you're benching, but I think there's not enough, definitely not enough attention paid to develop your posterior muscles. And that's where I think a lot of people run into issue is they're so posterior dominant, you know, they're benching all the time, they're doing all these pressing, but they're not balancing out those opposing muscles. And that's usually when you start running into issues is when you're not giving enough love to those opposing muscles. So we're talking a lot of the muscles you don't see in the mirror. You know, we all try to get big quads and things like that. But do you actually really pay attention to training your glutes? You know, essentially the biggest muscle in your body. Every lift starts with the powerhouse of the glutes, even the bench press. Are we giving enough love to the glutes? Are we developing our hamstrings? Are we developing our core strength, you know, and the abs and what they're do, what they're designed to do, stabilize our spine? You know, are we are we taking these things into account? So, uh, not to digress too much, but um, yeah, that's usually when the problems come in. But develop your upper back, develop your rear delts. That's going to be really big. Alrighty. Uh, let's go to Mike. What's up, Mike? What up? Being fortunate to have your 
be fortunate to have your home gym has your mindset to your own training changed any through all of what's going on um, has my mindset and my own training changed um, no I'm so in terms of if I'm backing off due to what's going on now no because um, I can't really go heavy right now anyway you know I know I was benching 550 the other week but you know relative to you know what I'm, I'm capable of doing that's still very very light that um, did not affect me whatsoever um, my mindset because I wouldn't even be able to lift the weight that is kind of getting to that scary territory because uh, I don't have the, the handoff capacity um, and I'm certainly not squatting a shit ton alone here in my rack or nothing so um, in terms of what I'm doing nothing's really changing uh, and I've never kind of gone into a session being fearful of injuries uh, luckily I've never had any so that's not really crossing my mind either but, uh, yeah, nothing's really changed whatsoever for me, just not having the people around me to help out. Uh, Jax, plus one for being a VIP member. appreciate that, my friend. Um, and thanks for, for being a part of that group. You know, I'll probably touch on it a little bit at the end, but we offer a lot of great content through there. I hope you've already found some awesome benefits. You know, we're uploading a lot of videos not only on bench but on deadlift and squats. Um, you know, we're, we're doing the arms challenge right now for those involved in our group. I'm going live once a week, you know, so we got a lot of great stuff in that community. Um, so please check it out. Bigbenches.com. Go to our VIP tab there and check that out. We got Hetty01 on Instagram. My April meet was canceled doing bodyweight workouts and have limited equipment like dumbbells. Am I going to completely lose my gains? No, so this is something that I've touched on a bit because that's most people's worries, right, is, is you're going to lose your hard work. Not necessarily the case because if you actually look at how long physiologically it takes to lose muscle, you know, we're looking at a good span of time. And that's if you do bare minimum nothing, okay? So it actually takes a while to lose muscle. So what you're actually, if you if you probably going to experience a drop in strength but what that's mostly due from is nervous system adaptations in terms of you know the coordinations the fire the movement or the motor units and um, just everything that goes into a, a nerve impulse to contract the muscle and you know all, all those things the technique behind the lifting i'm sure is going to be a little rusty like with anything you do if you're not doing it regularly uh, you lose the technique. So that's usually where you're going to find your drop in strength. And that, luckily, is something that you're going to get back pretty quick. Uh, so as long as you're diligent about training at home, you're trying to do something, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. Uh, you'll get that strength back pretty quick. I wouldn't really be too concerned with loss of strength. Um, definitely not in terms of you know, your body composition. I wouldn't be too worried that you're going to lose muscle mass all of a sudden, things like that. It actually physiologically takes a little bit more time. Um, and you're at least doing something, so that's great. Uh, hybrid Hillbilly, how often do you train abs? Well, I'm supposed to train abs every day. <laughs> um, if I do, um, that's another story. Uh, I try my best. Um, and I do have abs pretty much programmed into every workout. Uh, I have a coach, Jamie Mata, and he does my programming. Um, I, I gave that up to him in October or so in prep for my, my meet. I just, 
I couldn't with with doing everything I do day to day for our athletes and trying to having my mind just absorbed on um, what we're doing, big benches, program for my athletes, all that stuff. Uh, training so easy to put on the back burner for me, so it's it's such a relief off my shoulder, like it is for anyone when you get a coach, right? When you give up that responsibility, and that's the biggest thing. Now I don't have to think about that. I don't have to analyze what's going on as much. You know, I give that responsibility up, complete trust, do what you got to do. You know, I, I just come in and I execute. And I know I'm going to set aside this block of time. I'm going to come in. I'm going to execute the plan. I don't have to think any more of it. So that's why it's such a valuable thing to have a coach, to have some kind of guidance, you know. But I should be doing abs more. You got me there. <laughs> the lightest heavyweight. What do you think is harder? A over 400-pound freak of nature man benching almost 800 pounds, almost double his body weight, or a 150-pound man doing three times body weight raw? Thanks, Ben. Um, in terms of what's harder, I think for both those people, they're probably going to be the same degrees of, of toughness um, in terms of execution. I'm sure either of those is not that easy. Um, if you're asking me which one's more impressive, um, you know, I'm just I, just asking me personally. I always like to see the bigger weight, the bigger people move bigger weight. You know, and um, that's nothing against light people, the lighter divisions. I think it's super impressive to lift that much weight at, at a light body weight too. But in terms of what you, um, if you're asking me, my personal opinion, you know, I like to see the monsters. I like to see Barry Bonds crushing dingers out the park. Um, hitting 80 home runs a year. I like seeing these monsters just move massive weight. I don't really factor in how big they are. I just know they're freaking enormous. So I just like to see big things achieved. Um, but that's my mindset. But either one of those is, is going to be particularly challenging um, for either one of those people, especially lightweight. I mean, man, when you, you realize when you slim down too, when you don't have a belly to work with, and I got plenty of belly right now, let me tell you that, um, but when you don't have a belly to work with, how much it can affect like your squats and, um, you know, in, in any of the lifts too, like now you don't have that rebound. So it's so much more demands for the, for the hips uh, to do what they got to do and stabilize. So it's really challenging lifting at a lighter weight class. I'll give you that. Um, Brainchild designer. Thanks, Ben. I'm about two weeks out and have been questioning this. Truth about the injuries. Yeah, I, I hope um, that meat is, you know, I imagine it's going to get moved, but I hope find a solution pretty soon. I know everyone's meat's kind of up in the air. Uh, Mark says, I've noticed that high-intensity work, RP 8 to 9, works quite well to bench press. Why is it so? Is it true for you as well? Yeah, so um, that's something that I've really kind of gravitated more towards, say, past six months or so, is just getting more high-intense work in. So I love the periods where you can kind of just focus on volume and sub-max work and things like that. But what I was finding that there's such a um, there's still such a gap. Once you start returning to high-intensity work, if you don't do it on a frequent level um, – you know, in terms of, even if it's partial range, if you don't work with high intense weights, you lose that ability that comes with it. So that's something that I've been keeping in programming much more often is high intensity work. Um, and it, it might also like right now, what I'm doing is on the back end of the workout. So after we already hit volume, do what we have to do there. Um, now we're doing comp benching, and while the intensity is not 
really high. It's probably in that 80% range, but you accumulated so much fatigue throughout the workout that it's actually very particularly challenging. So it is, it essentially works as high intense effort. Um, but yeah, I do, I want to keep that in more often for sure. So that works very well. What's your favorite bench variations for your raw competition bench press and why? So something that helped me tremendously get my raw strength up. I'm huge on long pause work. I think long pause work is great. Someone like myself where I have very little range of motion, um, mm -hmm. I have a big arch, I get a lot out of developing my feet up bench because I'm not able to arch as much. I'm going through a larger range of motion. helps me tremendously. So that could either be I could continue to arch and comp bench, but I use a duffalo bar or curved bar, or I do feet up work. So it's either either or. But the feet up stuff takes away that stability I can create with my lower body too. Um, and then it's so much more demanding on my upper body. So if I can tolerate that, I will certainly, I will certainly do that. Uh, and then double dead press. That was something that I threw in my last raw cycle. So that's doing a dead press about not even an inch off the pins. Boom, dead press off the pins. Hold, boom, finish. That's very tough. That's on our YouTube. Um, Jerry Cool, I used a bench shirt for the first time. And to my surprise, I was able to get a touch. 365 raw max. Did 455 shirt. Fits good. Bruised up good. Is it okay that I was able to get a touch? Um, so you were able to touch essentially with like 90 more pounds than your raw max. You know, it's, it's all relative. If it's your first time working with a shirt, I'd say that's a good place to be. You're not going to want to be at the tightest shirt possible the first time you're in a shirt. Trust me. It's developing developing that, that cognitive sense of what you have to do to break in a shirt and to work with a tight shirt. It's just not something that's just going to be there. It certainly wasn't for me as well. And you kind of have to earn your right to get to a tighter shirt as you progress in your training. All right. Um, so like now, you know, I've been doing it for a while and I've taken a 52 SDP, which, man, I think my shoulder should come like 56 or something. So I'm going like negative four and they recommend to go up four, but I'm breaking that bad boy in for my next meet. Um, because I need something that tight. You know, I need something that tight because you learn that these things start to stretch. So there's just, you, you learn the shirts more as you go on. You get more advanced with it. But right now, I think you're in a good spot. First time in a shirt. You know, you, you want to be able to touch something um, that's not too dramatically above your raw max. Because with that, it comes so much precision with technique and stuff. And then, especially to, to be able to work with that overload of weight, takes some time to develop. So I think you're in a great spot, my friend. So keep that up. Um, yeah, I think you're in a great spot. Brainchild designer, do you have a day job? That's what I'm doing right now, my friend. <laughs> what line of work? If you are strictly an athlete now, what did you do prior to this line of work? Um, so, I mean, that's a great question. Um, so, I predominantly passed three years or so. I've just been coaching. Um, I used to coach at Gaglion Strength down the road. Uh, interned there back back in the day and that was uh uh 2014 2013 something like that and uh you know i've been there probably for five years recently just kind of um broke off and i'm just predominantly focusing on this just because travel arrangements and everything um you know our team growing I, I need to spend more time you know focusing on on this business so this is my main thing um 
is focusing on what I'm doing for, for our athletes, online coaching, setting up at events, um, traveling to events um, in terms of bench clinics I'm doing, things like that. Um, scroll down here. Uh, prior to that, though, to answer your question, too, prior to that, um, I've done a host of different things. You know, I remember moving out to Long Island for the first time, New York. I'm from Massachusetts originally, and uh, you know, I had three different jobs going. Uh, I was delivering uh, at a chicken place. It was a fried chicken place. Uh, I was delivering chicken. That was freaking all day. Uh, good times, though. Good times, especially during sports season. I had a fans. Mets fans were nuts when 2015 came around. And they were pushing a World Series there. Um, but that was driving around all day. I worked at a golf course for a couple years, uh, doing maintenance stuff, cutting the grass. That was nice because I'm plugging my earphones, doing my thing. Man, I've I've done a host of different stuff. I did housekeeping at a at a hotel. I've uh, I've done uh, uh, I did maintenance work at Barnes and Noble. Um, so yeah, I've I've been around uh, the block there, a bunch of different stuff. Um, when I came out here, it was personal training at a commercial gym. Not my thing. Uh, that is very tough to do, my friends. Uh, if you are starting out, it's a great thing to kind of get your feet wet, get interaction with people. But it was so much salesmanship there, just like 90% bothering people on treadmills, making phone calls. It was not what I originally would have liked to done, which is working with people, primarily athletes. Um, but you get you get accustomed to a large variety of people. You get that interaction. So it's a great place to start for anyone looking to get into that fitness field. Um, I didn't do that very long, though. But but. You know, thankful that I fell onto the opportunity that I did, and now I'm, you know, doing our business uh, full time here. So, very thankful for that. Um, let's go to DSU, the house dentist. What are your thoughts on a dead press? I have always seen it's a high risk, low reward compared to other variations. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily label it high risk. Um, it certainly poses more risk. You're at more risk if it's the technical execution that isn't there. And that's for most people, unfortunately, that's the case. Because uh, to execute the dead press well, you have to literally have to get to the same amount of tightness in your back and everything, creating that stability that you would in the bottom of the bench. Or else it's going to be a rough press up. And then all those pressing mum- uh, muscles, while put on stretch, all of a sudden can get loaded with all that weight. So it's something where you really have to learn how to get the setup the best you can, but how to leverage and push with your back. You know, you're using the bench as your leverage point to push from when you're doing a dead press. So I wouldn't label it high risk. I would just label it something to be precautious of for most people. Um, if you are comfortable with what you're doing there, I wouldn't label it high risk. But um, you're absolutely right in terms of for most people. It may be a tough thing to do, so it, it may not be worth it. But working, I've actually used the dead press at a low intensity. Uh, I'm saying, hey, don't go heavy on this, and it's a great way to, to build technique. There's so much that goes into it. Jerry, thanks for answering, my man. That was a question about the bench shirt. I actually sized down to a 58 shirt, and my chest measurement was 60. Relax. Hopefully, technique gets better, like you said, and get used to setting in and uh, settling and setting in the shirt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know what shirt you're using. I don't think we went over that, but an SDP will certainly tend to stretch a bit. So right now, I unless I gain body weight with a shirt, I'm like 
I'll get one good meat out of it, and I'll have to get another one. More than likely, like my 54, I can't imagine um, pushing past that 820 with the 54. Just how much is stretched on that one, that one meat. Um, PF3F on YouTube. Thoughts on overhead press. Desenzo talks very highly of them. So everyone's got their different thoughts on the overhead press. Um, I'm I'm huge on the overhead press. I think that's something that's immensely benef- uh, beneficial, especially if you're not great at them. That can help your bench even more. That's the toughest pressing variation. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't seen some of the other contents that I've put out, podcasts and things, I'm really big on the overhead press. So that's something I would definitely try to uh, to get in your training. And I treat that as a main movement. So if, if you're training raw um, or have the early off-season phase, a lot of that, the training I do by my athletes, is that second bench day. It's going to start main movement overhead press and then go into some benching. And that's how much I, I really prioritize it. It's big. OB Matt, how does grip form strength play into benching? So obviously, you know, you have the, some stability through the forearm too. So I'd say that's the biggest thing. I mean, you're not pressing with your forearm per se, but your ability to crush the bar, strong grip like that. Um, and I'd say that's something that I don't get nothing out of because I tell you, I got the worst grip that you have ever seen. You know, for someone who's decently competitive in a multiply setting, um, you know, it comes of squat and, and bench, especially bench, but um, the deadlift falls right off. I just can't freaking grip the thing, you know. So, um, and I, I'll tell you guys a funny story. So, it was in a, uh, a kinesiology lab. Um, it was in, in uh, college and we were just doing force production on grippers so we squeeze it it reads how many newtons of force that you're putting out and uh, you know there was these big dudes in there I think they were power lifters too uh, they were hitting like upwards 900,000 newtons of force on the gripper uh, at the peak and most of the women uh, not that the women aren't, aren't comparable there were some strong ones but they're maybe getting around 300 uh, just for comparison's sake, that was about average. Uh, and then he, here comes me, my gripper. I get like 290 newtons. I'm like, F this shit. <laughs> I won the worst things, the scores. I No grip strength. And sometimes in the morning, man, I'll wake up and I can't even close my hand. Um, more so in the winter, just because when I cut off that blood flow and stuff, wake up. My, my hand's been hanging out, getting cold, cut off from circulation. Man, I wake up, I can't even squeeze my hand. No no lying, no bullshitting. Um, yeah, so man, in terms of grip strength, I ain't doing shit on my bench for my grip strength. But certainly, if you're strong with your grip strength, and you can crush that bar harder, that's, that's going to be great for you. Um, Mark will give that overhead press a try. Yeah, definitely do, my friend. All right, let's go through here on Instagram. Brainchild Designer, you are definitely making a difference now. Keep it up. Love the videos. Thanks for everything, Ben. Uh, really appreciate you, my friend. It means a lot. Um, all of you tuning in means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to answer some questions now from Instagram. We'll get through these. We had some really good ones. All right. The lightest heavyweight who is joining us here. Uh, pros and cons of lifting your head and sinking the bar into your chest. So that's, uh, I mentioned on our IG stories the other day, that's not something that I particularly coach nor do. Um, if there's any benefit to if there's any pros to, to doing the whole sink and heave type thing, 
you're generating a lot of momentum off your your sticking point usually the the toughest point right getting down here on the, on the chest level the thing is it's going to be so inaccurate and so difficult to try to hit a good groove and and all of a sudden catch that bar and have enough tricep strength to actually lock the thing out and you know i don't want to dispel that completely because you see people do that like jeremy hornstra and stuff right you see benchers hit some monster numbers doing that style um but i'd say just the inaccuracy of it just like you'd have to be so pre precise with stuff um it's just not something i coach you know i coach very much closer to um how you might have seen some of the other former world record holders bench like Kirill, um like eric spoto you know i thought their bench technique's phenomenal um so that's that's more like how I I coach the bench, but I mean that goes across the board. You're gonna see lifters do all kinds of crazy stuff. Does that mean it's necessarily right? No. Does it mean it's wrong? Not really. You just have to know for yourself how you uh, work best as a lifter. You know, I'd say at the end of the day, okay. Um, you know, there's some fundamental things that you want to have in place, but uh, an awareness of those. But at the end of the day. Um, don't always do as as you see you know what i mean but uh hopefully that answers it the cons of course just very inaccurate um in terms of where that bar is headed having to have enormous amount of strength built up in your triceps even try to catch that way and finish it and to stabilize uh at entrepolite do you collect anything so i answered this the other day um i don't necessarily collect anything per se like you might think i have a ticket stub collection that I've always had, um, just different events I've been to. I kind of gotten away from that over the years just because the box filled up. I had nowhere to put them. But I do collect all the cards that I'm given. So whether it's birthday cards, and I have cards dating way back. Um, and so my grandpa passed away about uh, three, four years ago or so. And, um, and I have some really cool cards because he would always hand draw because he was an artist. He would always hand draw pictures and things on, on the cards. Um, so every birthday and stuff I get, he'd, he'd draw me a whole new picture. Like back in middle school when I was playing football, he would uh, he drew me uh, you know with a stiff arm playing football with our colors on and everything. So I have all that. And I'm thankful that I've kept all those cards uh, from back in the day. So if I wanted, I could go through and, and look at you know, thank you cards and birthday cards and just really cool memories. So uh, I'm really thankful I have that collection. Um, the card collection, I think, is, is really awesome. All right. Um, the latest heavyweight uh, thinks I concur. Just wanted your opinion. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't, I don't think there's uh, many benefits to it. Uh, the hybrid hillbilly. Do you do any upper body plyometrics? So this is a great one. You know, you don't think of this too often. Um, not so much in my training other than speed work per se, if you want to call that a plyo. Um, but I think that's huge for warm-ups. I, I think for terms of activation before you go to the bench, doing something real explosive like that uh, is awesome. You know, in terms of like clapping push-ups and stuff, I'd say you got to make sure that you can you can do that effectively because then there's a landing component to it. If you're a big dude, all of a sudden you're hitting that sheer force. I think that does a little more damage than good sometimes. Uh, if you're a light enough guy and you can catch your fall pretty gracefully, um, that's good. I do like a med ball throw. I'm big on those. Uh, that would be my go-to. Uh, and then just putting like a band around my back and doing these explosive pushes. I think those are all great. Any way to kind of get that nervous system primed up. 
uh, at Matteo Daminelli. That's an awesome name, I gotta say. I don't know what that is, but that sounds pretty badass. Matteo Daminelli. Any isometric exercises for the bench? Um, so, I assume, you know, there's there's isometric exercises, but do, do I do them? Do I program? So, uh, yeah, I think they're very valuable. Uh, how I put them into our programming is usually right off the bat. So, the, the great thing about an isometric movement is that you're going to build up more strength in that specific range of motion than you would even like a max effort work because you're spending more time there it's easier to recover from because you're only in that specific range of motion so especially if you have a sticking point you know you don't, can't really see it but i got the the rack here i got the pins here set up i would push the bar into the pins so hopefully the rack ain't moving hopefully you ain't lifting the rack but you're pushing into an immovable object um and you are holding that for about six seconds all right and this is something that i took away from josh bryant who is a fantastic coach in his own right and coaches a lot of those big um bench pressers he, he now um julius maddox there he's, he's coaching him so I've, I've taken a lot of of what he uh he puts out there as well and that the iso was one of them isos are great uh at love mali rpe versus percentage choose one this is a this is a interesting one. So obviously, if if I had to, um, you know, I would I would pick both. I think both have excellent applications. It really just depends on the scenario and the person. But if you're making me choose one, I would pick RPE ten times out of ten, because an RPE is is not a um, is not just a, a set in stone subjective number. An RPE is a moving target. That's the difference there. Um, if, if I could choose one, I would always work off RPE, always, um, because if you have a bad day, you can modify. If you're on percentages, you're always chasing a number, and always chasing a number can get you into a lot of trouble, um, and I think that comes with it a lot of frustration when you don't hit those numbers, and that can mentally destroy you too. So learning how to be in a good RPE-based lifter is, is huge. And that's something I know most of our athletes that try RP hate it, don't like it because it's not a subjective number. But a lot of times what I want them to get out of it is just to be more aware of their own training and what intensities they're working at because that's such a huge thing. It's such a huge trait to have as a good lifter um, that you need. It's just an intangible you need to have. So RPE 10 times out of 10 I would work with. Um, when I would switch over to more percentage base, that's when you're peaking for a meet. You have more specific numbers you need to be hitting. So we can make the case all day. When you're earlier in a training cycle, right, I can say it's okay you miss this. Um, you know, we, we're accumulating so much fatigue right now. You know, this is going on. You know, we have to cut this down. Whatever the case may be, it's a, it's a bad day. Not a big deal. No, it really is not a big deal. However, if you're peaking for a meet... And all of a sudden, you're not hitting these numbers we're supposed to be hitting. You know, I can't really sit back and say, hey, all is good. We're going to hit about 50 pounds less this meet, but all is good. You know, I can't really do that um, because we're not progressing. So uh, percentage is something that's very valuable when we're getting closer to a meet. Once we start to, to know what numbers we're shooting for, what numbers we're working off of, um, that's when that's going to be more important. But, yeah, 10 times out of 10, I'll take RP if you... Making me pick one. J Bost, 
556. Are you a fan of floor presses? Uh, yeah, I'm, we uh, do that more with our equipped athletes. I don't have a ton of floor pressing in for our raw athletes. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a fan as an equipped lifter myself. And, um, you know, for those I coach that train in bench shirts and whatnot, uh, I think floor presses are very valuable. My favorite variation of a floor press, I like to do an axle bar or a really fat bar so you can, um, can't get a regular grip. He's kind of got that big old false grip. And I like to throw chains or something on it, some kind of accommodating resistance. Uh, I like the chains on the floor press. Just one of those variations I, I typically like. All right, we got any more questions? I am out of Instagram questions here from the other day, so I'm just taking any live questions. We got any more that come in? Uh, we got some on YouTube. Uh, PF3F, thanks for the response. Did you ever think you would bench 800? What's the overall goal? I know 900 is next, but 950? Um, so, starting off, uh, no, because 315 was was tough. So, I mean, I was happy when I hit 440 bench for the first time. And I remember working so hard to hit 600 bench. But, you know, it's like with anything, you just, you have the next goal. You got to work on the next one. You know, it's like, uh, I always I always love um, yeah, Tom Brady, that, that quote he said, because he, he asked someone, because this dude's got a bunch of rings, and he was like, what's, what's your favorite one? And he's like, the next one. You know, so, and thinking how that applies to lifting, like, you know, 600 was nice, but what's next after that? 700. That's what I'm going for now. Uh, 800 comes by. You know, now I'm shooting nine. Um, my goal right now going forward is 870 because that would be a top 10 all-time bench at 242. So I'm trying to actually come down a weight class. I don't have to cut a huge amount, but I'll have to come down a little bit and I have to add about 50 pounds from what I did last year. Um, that would put me top 10 all-time at 242 class. So that's the next goal. And then obviously after that... Um, haven't really put that out there much, but um, you know I want to make a run at some kind of big weight, uh, and uh, you know seeing if that 870 goes really good, how to plan at that body weight, you know maybe take a shot at the world record within a year or two uh, if I could get to that point and stay healthy, which would be Jimmy Cobb's 950, and he just went up and he just busted the world record there at 275, um, phenomenal bencher. And um, he, he 10.35. So, um, you know, while he's a little bit bigger because, you know, he's, he's the man, maybe I'll come in and try to take my opportunity at a lighter weight class. Um, review for Titan Super Katana for bench press. Best t-shirt for bench. Um, so I've used the Super Katana. It's 7.30 in it. And, um, you know, I didn't really work too much with it. But it held up pretty good. I didn't notice it stretched too much set to set. The SDP I used, I noticed a good amount of stretching set to set at the higher weight, getting a touch. So I would say the Super Katana holds its form a little bit better than, um, while it does stretch, it uh, holds a little bit better than the SDP. So I think if you're looking for a more longer term bench shirt, like you don't want to keep buying bench shirts, then probably Super Katana you're going to want. Tiny Stone Giant, preferred bench grip, grip placement. Um, search, uh, go on YouTube, search grip for bench press. This is a good video, really details that. Um, this is hard for me to explain here because 
uh, I don't have, I can't really show you that well. Um, so uh, in terms of what I'm grabbing on the bench. So I do a thing where it's like the combo fall grip and regular grip. I don't squeeze around with my thumb. I leave my thumb hanging as a point anchor point to torque into, but I kind of have that false grip. I'm only squeezing with these four fingers. So that allows me to really tune into my lats a little bit better without that extra activation through the form and the arms of squeezing down that thumb. Brainchild designer, do you have workout partners during the lockdown or are you stuck at home to work by yourself? Well, I, I have the wife with me and, um, you know, we feel comfortable probably going to maybe 650, maybe a little more, but uh, obviously I'll be handicapped then because I'm, I'm not going to be able to have, she's not going to be able to get that weight out over 650 to me. Um, you know, at least it's not going to go well. And then, there's a thing like right now we did 550 that's fine it could come out shitty i can stabilize it but you know once the weight starts increasing i can't have excess movement and things like that it's going to completely throw off the lift so maybe we can hand off 700 really shitty but am i going to be able to really work with that weight effectively with a shitty hand up so it's kind of capped at like 650 right now so this phase i'm doing some reps i did 550 doing 600 today it goes 650 next week so, yeah, I'm a little handicapped right now without my handoff people. That's the thing with quip lifting. You need the people. You need the people. Love Mally. Quip t-shirt you would suggest for a beginner. Um, so you mentioned a t-shirt, so I'm not, I'm a little confused there. You mean a bench shirt? Um, I, don't, I don't get the t-shirt part. But I would say for a beginner, a shirt, just get a looser version of whatever. You're going to learn whatever you're going to get. Just get a looser version first so it's not so aggressive. Because you'll get real frustrated real quick. You'll say, F this shit. Tiny Joan, Tiny uh, Stone Giant. Thanks, man. We'll look it up. Yeah, that was a good, great grip video. So check that out. Justin Dackey. Best rear delt exercises. Uh, man, I like face pulls. I like like a banded um, chest supported, like banded reverse fly. Um, just regular band pull aparts. How much variations do you use for bench programming? Not a ton. Um, you know, I try to stay more specific to the bench movement when we can, but you know, some of the variations for raw lifters are going to be a lot of pause work, a lot of like t-shirt pressing, which is like a spoto press, um, you know, close gripping, wide gripping, you know, a lot of that stuff. For our quip lifters, you know, it's mostly going to be partial range movements, what we're doing with that. Board pressing, close grip, wide grip, whatever. Board pressing with chains, bands, floor pressing, pin pressing. Those types of things. Thoughts on incline bench transfer for raw bench press? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great in between between an overhead press and a um, the incline press between a bench. So, uh, if overhead press bothers you, that's when I'd be more inclined to incline press. But I would try to do overhead press before I would do incline. So I think the overhead could carry more value. Um, but then obviously there's the incline too. Not to dispel it, but I think an overhead would be a little bit a little bit better. Alright, so uh, that's about it for today, guys. Alright, I'm going to close shop down here. Got to get some more food in and I got I to gotta go bench myself. If you want some more, you could tune in to... Um, our Facebook, uh, uh, we're going live a little bit later when I train today. I'm going to be doing 600 pounds for a 3x4, so three sets of four reps. 
and I, I stop in between each set and I just kind of give my thoughts and uh, on like what's happening, what I'm feeling, the whole the whole deal. So that's going to be on our Facebook page. So if you haven't liked Big Benches on Facebook, get on that. I don't know what time it's going to be. I'm going to get a couple meals and I got some work to do. But um, later this afternoon, probably around 5.36, something like that, I'm going to be going live doing training. Uh, you can always catch the replay too. So check that out. And also, please check out our VIP membership, and especially now. We're doing a lot of awesome stuff while everyone's quarantined. So we got the arms challenge going on. You know, I'm putting out all this additional content. I'm going live every week. Uh, I'm going to be doing some giveaways and things like that. So you're going to want to join that online community. It's based on Facebook, so it's on Facebook groups. Um, you know, we've got a really, really cool group of lifters, and we're all shooting the shit, and and putting out ideas and tips and all that extra content I provide. So uh, check that out. Go to bigbenches.com. Hit the VIP tab. I'd love to see you there. If you did want to apply for our coaching program, if you're watching on Instagram, you can apply through the link in the bio. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, also the description box has an application process. Uh, I'll leave you with E3ZUS. You're the man, Ben. Thank you for everything you share. You're the man, my friend, for watching. Appreciate you. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to Bench Talk Live. All right, make sure you're checking out the Thursday episode of the podcast, too. A lot of good topics coming up. So if you haven't checked out the Benchcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to, make sure you check that out, all right? Um, good Thursday episodes. All right, guys, appreciate you all. Catch you next week.